Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the Central New York Airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Welcome one, welcome all to another edition of Former Fizz. I'm your host, Jaron May, and on this interview series, I talk with previous Orange Fizz staff writers about SU sports from when they were on the hill. Today, I have a very special guest, someone that called SU home from 2011 to 2015, someone that had some good years and some bad years when it comes to SU sports and someone that is joining me back on the Fizz Airwaves for once in a couple years, Brendan Glasheen. Brendan, thanks so much for joining me. No problem. Happy to do it. I miss Orange Fizz. It's been a while. It has been a while, but I'm glad that you are back here with me today. And we're going to dive deep on a couple different things, both SU football and SU basketball. But before we choose which sport we want to start with, I just want to get a quick feeler out there. Which sport did you enjoy watching and following more when you were at SU, football or basketball? Well, there's... I guess there's two ways to look at it, because as you know, we do a lot of recruiting coverage on Orange Fizz. I really enjoyed covering the football recruiting, and I think that's because uh, the Fizz Vader, uh, <laughs> Damon Amendolara, uh, was always telling us, like, hey, there's, there's always a story when it comes to Syracuse football recruiting, because the area is just so thirsty and hungry for a good football program in terms of the actual product on the field or on the court pretty simple uh basketball was awfully good considering they got to an elite eight and a final four in my four years now my senior year it didn't end all that well when they had the uh self-imposed uh, ban the postseason ban but uh yeah i would say basketball um in terms of the on the court coverage but the, the football recruiting was a blast because uh they were just starting to kind of make a make a climb since they moved to the ACC in the middle of my my tenure. Okay. All right, hey, well, let's start with football then and let's start with football recruiting. Who do you think was as a student and following all of this for the Fizz, which was the best recruit SU football had when you were covering them? Ooh. Uh, that's a good one. I think, and you know what, this is where it's like, this is where it gets fun, because now it's like, oh my god, how much can you remember the names? But um, I think Zaire, Zaire Franklin, does that sound familiar? Yep, yep. he was still Zaire. on the team just uh, just a couple of years ago. Right, okay, and I think, I just googled his name, He is uh, he's with the Colts, or he played for the Colts? Yes, yep. Wow, okay. <laughs> Zaire Franklin, and, and I know I know you've talked to Kevin Fitzgerald on one of these already, because yep. Fitz... Fitz covered Zaire quite a bit. He interviewed him a few times. Um, he was a big deal uh, at the time when I was in school. Um, because Just because he was always a great quote, always a good soundbite, very to the point and honest about his feelings about what can be done. Uh, A.J. Long was important uh, back then. A.J. Long, who ended up starting a couple games my senior year, um, but he was always a great, a great interview. I thought he was excellent. Um, there was, I'll tell you one that was huge. And this was, this was a lot of fun to cover. Ebenezer Ogundeko. <laughs> Ebenezer Ogundeko. 
Okay. He was the like he was the talk of the talk, man. I think he ended up at Clemson. Yeah, he did. He ended up at Clemson. But uh, that was uh, man. We were doing uh, Ebo Watch or uh, Dao. Da was always so good. He's still good at it. What am I saying? I mean, he's he was so good at like terming um, recruiting stories and, and and being creative with the player's name. Ebo. Uh, Ebo was excellent because I think he was deciding between like New York schools and he also had the ACC schools down south, but Syracuse was high on his list. That was always the quote, right? Oh, Syracuse is high on his list. There's hope. There's hope for Syracuse football. <laughs> um, but yeah, Okendeko, that was, a, that was always the, at least when I got introduced to the Fizz, Okendeko was like a household name. Like okay. that was the first exposure I got. I'm like, oh, like, this guy's big. And then, Oh man, there was a running back. Um, was it Robert Washington? Uh, I'm trying to remember now. Okay. But uh, <laughs> let me see. I'm looking it up. Yeah, Robert Washington. Yeah, and I, I just I just searched his name, and he's actually in a a Fizz article. Or you know, this is a uh, Syracuse.com. But anyway, yeah, he's another one. He was big too because he was kind of in the same breath as uh thomas bryant the foot the basketball player right and i guess i remember writing an article being like if you were a syracuse fan of football and basketball and you could only have one robert washington or thomas bryant you know what would you go with and that was it was a debate in terms of like would you rather see the football team get a high star you know four star five star running back recruit or trusting Jim Beheim to figure it out elsewhere with basketball and pass on Thomas Bryant. So those are some names. Those are some names that come to mind. Hmm. Hey, well, I, I will like to, maybe, maybe this gives you a little solace is we are still having those types of headlines of, Hey, a big recruit as Syracuse in his top six, there's going to be hope for the program. And then they end up not going here. They end up going to some bigger named school. So uh, that is a still a uh, a storyline here at the Fizz, but let's uh, let's also talk about the coaching when you were on campus when it comes to football. So you kind of split time between the two eras, Doug Marone and Scott Schaefer. On a personal level, which coach did you like more? And then professionally, which did you think was a better fit for SU? Oh wow, good question. Good good question. Um, well, and again, I'll bring up Fitz. Uh, we were together at the at Yankee Stadium. We both covered the Pinstripe Bowl, the second one when they won it with. Uh, oh boy, this is bad. Like forgetting names. <laughs> um, who was it? Uh, man, they won at Yankee Stadium. They won the Pinstripe Bowl, and I'm thinking he played for the he played for the Steelers. He might still play for the Steelers. Um, Let's see. The Pinstripe Bowl in in 2012 was against uh, West Virginia. Geno Smith. They played Geno Smith. I remember that. Prince Tyson Gully. Oh, boy. Nassib. That's that's an easy one. I knew Ryan Nassib was there. Um, Man, that was a fun team to cover. No doubt about it. That was a fun team. But to answer your question about about the coaching. Well, Doug Marone, Doug Marone's quote, and DA also made T-shirts, Teach Me How to Dougie. I remember that. (laughs) to teach me how to Dougie uh, t-shirts. But that was another thing too, right? Like when I got to SU, Marone was the coach, and you were always told this was Doug Marone's dream job. And then he got offered, he got offered the Bills job, and I think someone like – I think it might have been Brent Axon 
someone kind of called Marone out on it, like at a press conference when during training camp at Bill's camp, and they were like, "Oh, I, I thought Syracuse was the dream job." And you know, Doug was like, you know, Doug kind of backed, you know, backed off the comment. Um, but he was a good guy, man. Like I never interviewed him or anything for like AER for the coach's corner or whatever. But he was good. Schaefer was just so more relatable, like just down to earth, family guy. He'd talk about his kids, Hunter and uh, Wolfgang. Or I, don't, I, I, I might have made up Hunter, but uh, <laughs> Wolfgang was one of his sons. I know that. And then Schaefer, I don't think I was in school. I wasn't. Schaefer made a return uh, with Middle Tennessee as the defensive coordinator. It was the, the, the Scott Schaefer revenge game. And Middle Tennessee, I think, won the game, if I remember correctly. Um, but yeah, I mean, Schaefer, Schaefer press conferences were always something because he, you never knew it was coming and they didn't win many games. His final year, they went three and nine. And, uh, that was part of the non-memorable, but memorable, uh, senior year. Oh, and I got the player's name, Shamarco Thomas, Shamarco. That is such a cool name. Yeah. Shamarco Thomas, strong safety, fourth round pick of the Steelers. He was great, uh, in that, uh, pinstripe bowl. But yeah, I one of my fondest memories of that of that game was getting down on the field, and this goes back to Marone. I snapped a picture of Marone hoisting the trophy with Prince Tyson Gully and uh, and Shamarco Thomas, and then of course like Cameron Lynch was a great dude. Cameron Lynch was a great player, but so yeah, I think uh, Marone. So who was the better fit for the program? Well, Scott Schaefer proved he could coach defense i just don't think they ever got any good uh offensive players in the door and that's when they brought in coach mcdonald i'm blanking on his first name oh man this is this is fun i'm glad you're i'm glad you're doing this to me because <laughs> like this is like going down memory lane and i i feel i feel old now george mcdonald that was the that was the hot name back then george mcdonald because he was coaching in the ACC, it was Schaefer's dude, and McDonald only lasted a year. And that was it. But uh, Schaefer tried. Schaefer tried to he get did. the offensive uh, brain power in the door to help him out and almost do it in such a way where he could coach the defense and then McDonald would handle the offense. And we see that a lot of times now in the NFL, right, where there's no real understood head coach. It's just a really good coordinator as the head coach, and I think that's where Scott might may have struggled. I think he was really good at – handling uh handling the defense he had clark lee clark lee was the linebackers coach and i think he's doing i think clark lee is at notre dame right now as the defensive coordinator mm. um so schaefer like schaefer knew how to he had the right mindset in terms of like putting together a staff it's just never panned out and i, I felt bad for him like I, you know, like I said he was always really good with the media really really nice to us students and really cool about stuff yeah uh that's one thing you'll understand, Jared. One day is when you go back and go back and think. You go, you know what? When you when I when I interviewed Jim Beheim, I wish I asked him. I wish I asked a little more more questions. I wish I wasn't as afraid to yeah. just drop drop the hammer. But Scott <laughs> Schaefer was never like that. He was a good guy. Yeah. Well, it, with with Beheim at least, it it kind of is a little uh, scary because you always know that he could come back and with a very snide comments. Um, but with that pinstripe bowl in 2012, so you got to cover that one. And then that's your sophomore year. Then your junior year, uh, you have the Texas bowl in 2013. Which of those two teams do you think was better? Oh, I think no question the pinstripe bowl team because (laughs) Nassib at quarterback, 
I would take Nassib over Terrell Hunt. Now, Hunt was really good that year. Terrell Hunt was a fun guy to cover, too. Um, and then, oh, boy, they had Terrell Hunt. So the Terrell Hunt year was their final – no, because 2013 was their first year in the ACC, if Correct. I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah, right? Okay. So the fact they got to a bowl game that year was actually impressive, um, now that you think about it. Um, so, yeah, that was good. But you know what? That 2012 team had NFL talent. Nassib was a fourth round. Uh, no, Nassib went. What, what round did Nassib go in? The four, yeah, I think he went fourth round to the Giants. I know he went to the Giants. Um, but Nassib was in that draft. That's when Marone. Everyone thought Marone was going to take Nassib in the draft, but he ended up taking. Um, oh boy, this is this is bugging me. Like I can't remember names right now. <laughs> Marone took the quarterback out of Florida State. Um, damn it, EJ Manuel. There it is. EJ Manuel was the quarterback pick, and it was like the 16th overall pick, I think, in the first round. But no, that 2012 team, they had another. They had another fun running back too, uh, Jerome Jerome Smith. That ring a bell, Jerome Smith. Yeah. He, was, he was always a fun. He was always a fun dude to cover. I'm a little. Bi- Justin Pugh was on that 2012 team, first yep. round pick of the Giants, offensive lineman. Now 2012 was very. Uh, they were mentally tough. They beat. So I think they beat Louisville that year. They beat Louisville at home. In my freshman year, they beat Geno Smith. And then they beat Geno again. Or they beat Geno in the same season. Maybe I should pull up the schedule. That would make a lot more sense if I pulled up the actual schedule from that year. Because that will help me That will help me bring some memories back. Okay. Uh, but you know what? Like, I'll just say this. Like, in terms of who was better, I think 2012 team, and that sounds biased. But I also think the fact that it was more memorable. They won some road games. Yep. Uh, yeah, there we go. I got the Louisville game. Yeah, they crushed Louisville. Louisville was number nine in the country. They beat them 45-26. They beat Missouri on the road. That's a good win. They killed uh, Oh, the USF game on the road. That was phenomenal in Tampa. I wasn't there for that game, but I remember working radio for that and just being in the studio. It was unbelievable. It was a great comeback. They almost they were they were right in it with Minnesota, which was a good game. And uh yeah, oh, that's that's right. They lost to Northwestern to open the season. That was a – oh, I remember that game. I remember that. But, uh, yeah, they so they faced Geno Smith in 2011, and that was like their marquee win of the year. And they didn't do much else. But the fact that they got a chance to face Geno again in the pinstripe bowl of 2012, that team was dominant, man. Like, they kicked Geno Smith's butt, and that West Virginia team was pretty good. So, I would go 2012. All right, 2012 it is. Uh, let's also move over to the basketball side of things, and let's touch on some things on the court. Uh, you were on campus during a pretty monumental change, and we you kind of hinted at it before with the football side of it, but it was Syracuse moving from the Big East to the ACC. How do you think that switch affected the players and the program as a whole? Well, I think initially, right, everyone's super excited because of the competition and the, the opportunity to pitch to young athletes that you can go play against the Dukes and the Carolinas and you can go down and play Miami. And uh, there's just a lot, there's a lot there. Uh, look, it, a lot of it comes down to uh, academics too. It was right. a big move for, for the university. In terms of recruiting, um, you can look at it in a couple ways. In, in, the, in the short term, it helps because you're like, oh, well, look, we, we can offer you're, – you're going to play against some great schools. Now, you could offer the same thing in the Big East 
And that's what I mean on a longer term scale, you know, how much, you know, how much, how long can that last in terms of, well, does a kid, does a young player want to go to Syracuse or does he want to go play at NC State or, you know, Florida State? And that's tough. But I think Syracuse has tried, has done a good job of proving the last few years that, hey, you know, we're building something here and we can really offer an opportunity for um, the change is good and that you can come up here to a school in the north. Uh, we play at the Dome. We have a great home home field advantage that we're, we're building culture here and they're still just trying to do it the right way. So in the midst of the change, I just remember right when the change happened, I just know recruiting-wise, because, again, that's what we covered a lot at the Fizz. Uh, I remember, I mean, I'll be honest, like, I, Jared, I remember the recruiting angles way more than the actual, like, coverage of the events because, like, that was that was, that was was drilled in our brains by yeah. DA. And, and I look at that in a good way. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, that's not a criticism. It was just it was really fun to learn the ins and outs of how student-athletes change, you know, molded their decision making and the first thing they would say when asked about the switch to the acc student athletes and athletes out of high school loved it they they loved they loved the idea Mm -hmm. and aj long is the name that comes to mind aj long loved the idea of going to syracuse and being putting syracuse on the map like that was that was the pitch you can put us on the map in a new conference that has a ton of great schools especially in football and uh, and in basketball as well. So that was the pitch. I mean, back then, like we, you can put us on the map. And look, they in basketball, man, they did it the first year they were in it, and that was magical. The way they they started twenty five and zero that year, mm-hmm. that was magical. And that was without even really, I mean, they had the they had the ACC transition already in you know in in everyone's mind right so they could they were prepared to to make that pitch to to athletes like hey 2013 we're in you know we're going to the ACC like this is the schedule's going to be all ACC and it, when it comes conference play time so uh so yeah i mean look it was exciting it was and it was it was it, it was different for sure cuz like i remember covering big east media day with the fizz in providence and that was always that was a good time like and then to make the transition i mean we didn't have a chance to go to ACC media day cuz for a lot of us, and you can relate to this, like Fitz, myself, uh, even DA, like we're all up in the Northeast. Right. So we could actually make it to Big East Media Day. ACC Media Day was down in Carolina. So I think we had to have an in with the uh, with radio or something to make it happen. But it was a lot more accessible, the Big East. Uh, but there was a – look, I mean, I, I, grew, I grew to appreciate um, both – conferences and i think that's appropriate when you go to su you got to remember the history but also understand the decision making to look forward and seize new opportunity yeah uh you also so you go through that change but then you also have the change of well maybe not really change is the correct word but you go through the fab mellow debacle where he was deemed ineligible and he was trying to be reinstated and it was just a lot of back and forth and he really weren't sure what was the truth in that in that whole debacle um as a student what was it like hearing about that story wow yeah i just forgot about that r.i.p by the way r.i.p of course um yeah so fab and then i think james sutherland was into was into it too in terms of his uh his academic standing but sutherland i think was all right in terms of uh he ended up Actually, don't quote me on that because I don't remember. What am I saying? Um, 
I don't think Sutherland missed any games, or he may have. I don't remember. But yeah, right. Fab missed three games for sure. Right. And it's that it was like that debate, like, oh, if they had Fab, you know, where would they be? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. I don't remember a whole lot from it except Beheim in typical fashion would kind of dodge the questions about it and kept it internal, right? From the He's, he was a student athlete. Like everyone, and that's the thing, right? We forget, like these guys are students too. And granted they're treated like gods on campus because they play for, they, they're the, they're division one athletes. Um, but Fab, man, like Fab, Fab took a lot of heat and the fan base, it's so unique because Fan, the fans in, in central New York treat Syracuse like a pro team. Mm-hmm. So they're like, oh, well, well, what the heck's going on with Fab? I'll tell you one story I do remember, and it's not a great it's not a great memory for people. It's the Bernie Fine thing, too. I mm-hmm. mean, Bernie Fine, I remember being – I was a freshman. And I was being asked about it. It was a New York Times reporter on campus. Mm-hmm. And they, they, I actually got asked a question by them um, just as a student. Like I was on the sidewalk on Marshall Street like going to get pizza or something, and it was like middle of the day on a Saturday or Sunday. And, I talked to someone from uh, someone from the New York Times, and it's just that whole thing was weird too. I mean, it it really, I guess, as a student and like as a aspiring sportscaster and reporter, like those are the types of things that kind of threw you in the fire, and you have to be you have to be ready. It's not all about you know the product on the court, and like that's that goes back to the recruiting thing too, like. Um, it's not. It's not all dandelions and roses. Yeah. We're not just, just going to talk about how great the dome is and uh, yeah, academic issue. Yeah, he missed three games. Okay. That year they went seventeen and one in the Big East. Mello was Defensive Player of the Year. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It was. It was a big loss for the team. It. It absolutely was. Um, yeah. And. Let's actually go to what you kind of just mentioned right there where it's not all dandelions, but let's talk about the Dome when it was kind of very happy. Uh, when do you think was the loudest you heard the Dome, uh, at whether it be a specific play or as long as an entire game? Oh, easy, 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 easy answer to this one. When they played Duke in 20, 2014, so it was their first year in the ACC, 2013-2014 season. Duke's yeah. first time at the Dome. You got Jeremy Grant, C.J. Fair, Ennis. Ennis, Tyler Ennis was the point guard. Christmas was center. Um, and then Cooney? That was, or was it Benichet? Was it Benichet was on the team yet? I, I'm forgetting. That team, man, was uh, when they played Duke, that game was crazy. That was the loudest the dome I've ever been. And I had a chance to cover it for the Fizz. It was great. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, great game. They we went to overtime. Here, I've got the roster in front of me now. Tyler Roberson was a freshman. So they had Fair. Ben, so Benajay was a sophomore. That was Benajay's first year. Michael Benajay. Ron Patterson. He was supposed to be a highly talented. Oh, they had Daywon Coleman. Too. But Coleman might have been out because of uh, – No, Coleman probably started for that team. But uh, – yeah, no doubt. That game was great. Went to OT. I think it was um, Quinn Cook for Duke. Yep. Who hit the uh, he hit the game tying three to force overtime. He threw up like it wasn't a half court shot, but it was like it was a heave. It was a heave from close to that. Um, Ennis was magical. Tyler Ennis. I get. I get why Tyler Ennis went wanted to go to the draft because he played the way he orchestrated that offense and fed. 
all those guys. CJ Fair was was a phenomenal watch. He he was he had a great season. CJ Fair was right in the discussion with uh Oh boy. Did they have Jabari Parker at the time, that Duke team? They they were right in the uh yeah, CJ Fair yeah, that, that, right? that, that that seems like when Jabari would have been there. Yeah, that that uh that that team, I mean I remember that year, like mm-hmm. back and forth. Mm-hmm. Here, I've got the game summary now in front of me. That year it was it was CJ Fair v Jabari Parker for ACC player of the year. Yeah. And like that and that and that that's what made it so great was that it was it was year one in the conference. So you're like, wow. Uh, he scored a career high twenty eight in that game. And they and they and that brought them to twenty one and zero. That was the other thing too. They had the undefeated season on the line and uh, great game. Yeah, it great seems game. it it seems like whenever Duke comes to the dome, you can always bet on that being a very loud environment. Uh, but before we wrap up here on former Fizz, I have one last question for you, and I've asked this to all of my guests so far, and I want to just stack up all of these starting fives once we get to the end of this series. But if you could put together a starting five with basketball players from just when you were on campus, they were only playing during those four seasons, who would be in that starting five and why? Oh, damn. Great question. Great question. <laughs> This is good. We've already been talking a half hour, huh? This field hasn't felt that long. But, yeah. uh, all right. Let's see. Um, and I want to go off of actual production on the court because, okay. again, the challenging part of this, right, is you buy into the hype of certain guys and then it just doesn't pan out because of, right, just because of yeah. the – because it's recruiting. And then you get sucked into the recruiting and then all of a sudden if a guy doesn't pan out, it's, it's too bad. So – I'll start with the big guy, Rakeem Christmas, my senior year, 2015. He was the only reason to go to the Dome and watch Syracuse play <laughs> because they had a hard – well, I'm serious because they had the, the self-imposed ban. Rakeem, Rakeem's growth from sophomore to junior to senior year with Syracuse basketball. Now, I saw Rakeem, Rakeem was there all four years I was there. Um, in 2011, Rakeem started – with uh, Dion Waiters coming off the bench, Scoop Jardine. So, so like, I look at Dion Waiters and I go, all right, well, Dion Waiters was a star coming off the bench. So, and then he went, then he went pro. So, if I was going to do a sixth man, it's going to be Dion before okay. I go into any starting five because that's what Dion's role was on those teams. Yep. He, was the, he was the sixth man. Rakeem Christmas would be my center. The power forward is is probably the tough. Oh, I guess Rakeem could play power could play uh, power forward and not center. But I would I would put Rakeem at the five. Whew. Uh, power forward. That's a tough one. I think that's a tough one. Yeah, that's 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 where people have been uh, kind of getting a little troubled when I've been asking some of my other guests because Syracuse just doesn't really have too many big men in their history. <laughs> yeah. I think, well, and again, we're in an era of positionless basketball, so the decision to make a point guard is between Ennis and Michael Carter-Williams. I give give the edge to NCW because they got to the Final Four, and that Ennis team didn't even get out of the second round. Or they they got to the, yeah, they didn't get out of the second round, which was a bummer. Um, You know what? I have an idea. We're going to put Jeremy Grant at the four. Jeremy Grant was really good. Okay. He was really good that year he played. So I'll go Christmas, Grant, NCW at the one, 
I can't leave C.J. Fair out. I mean, C.J. Fair was was he was a lot of fun to watch. I thought C.J. Fair was a terrific watch. And then my so I could I could interchange like C.J. Fair was a three man, but he could play the two. Sure. In my book, and sure. then at the three, Chris Joseph from my freshman year. He ended up going second round to the Celtics. Uh, him and Fab went to the Celtics uh, in the draft. Chris Joseph was one of the unsung heroes I felt of the uh, well, not an unsung hero, but just a solid, solid player. Like played four years. I think he played four years, and uh, oftentimes he didn't give you the pizzazz, but just he gave you consistency. And he was a rock for that team to get to the final four. Um, pardon me to, to make the run in 2011 to go to the uh, to go to the Elite Eight in Boston that year. So I, I would go. So there's my lineup right there: MCW, CJ Fair, Chris Joseph, Jeremy Grant, and Rakeem Christmas. All right, and then Dion off the bench. That's a that's a very good lineup right there. And we'll see who has the best lineup at the end of former Fizz. But that's going to do it for this episode. Brendan Glasheen, thanks so much for joining me. Hey, great idea. I'm glad you did this, and just don't. And please understand, as as you as you let me go here, and I'm. I'm sure everyone has brought this up. Orange Fizz is awesome. I never forget the opportunity that DA gave me when I was on campus. Um, it's a lot of fun. You learn a lot. DA gets on you, and then he you develop a, a great relationship with him. But most importantly, you get a chance to cover a great program, both football and basketball and everything else. It's, it's a great time, and I miss it. This, this brought back a lot of memories. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you so much for joining me. That's going to do it for another edition of Former Fizz. If you want to listen to any previous or future episodes, search Orange Fizz on SoundCloud or by going to orangefizz.net. That's going to do it for this episode. We'll see you back here very soon, everyone. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you next time.